0: My name is Brian, and today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023, and this is episode 489 of the Lots Project Podcast, a daily look inside our journey to live outside the systems of control. And it's another Coffee with Brian, Thursday morning, daily morning chat, how we doing today? Morning, Pip. Good morning, Gingerbread Farms. both here uh, rolling in before the show started, and then it looks like Kyle kyle the backwoods butcher decided to get out of bed i don't know if he got a new phone or a new alarm clock or something like that but uh made it on time today made it on time canadian farm said how we doing good morning to you good morning good morning ah what are we talking about today let's uh let's talk about comfrey we're going to talk a little bit about comfrey and uh that should fill up at least at least uh yeah second half of the show uh we'll get to that after we do the perfect cup question and uh and the lots of history pip's got a good one a lot of treaty 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 to uh to start the to the start the history segment and um so yeah we'll get to that uh what do i have in the cup today today we got uh fto blonde espresso it's uh it's fantastic fantastic blend from uh well, I guess that Len, from Brian over at Food Forest Farms. And speaking of that, Brian is going to come on to... Um, my Brian's going to come on tonight on lots to talk about. We're going to talk about his new thing he's got going on out at Camp Suniki. He's got some wild, wild wilderness weekends going on uh, where he's going to build the uh, fundamental camping skills. It's going to be a series of teaching events out at his uh, his camp. We're going to talk about what he's got going on with coffee. We're going to talk about hip camp and whatever else comes up. You never know with scrambling. You know, he just threw himself out of a plane. So I'm sure he'll have plenty to talk about uh, flying out of the plane. So there is that. There is that. Um, What else? What else? Truck today. We got truck appointment this afternoon or this morning right after the show. Uh, If I end up dipping out a little bit early then uh, it may be, Gingerbread <laughs> says, furry costumes. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe, who knows, who knows. There is always the chance of that. So you guys, give me one second. I got to take care of something. I'll be right back. All right. Sorry about that. Good morning, Kayvonk. How's it going? You showed up at the beginning today instead of the end. That's always a good thing. Sorry, guys. I got uh, some sinus stuff going on today. My ears are all plugged, so that's always fun when you're trying to talk into a mic. Um <laughs> said I look so professional. <laughs> Backwood says I look so professional in my pause photo. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Oh, there we go. There you go. I can't even figure out how to hit the own buttons, <laughs> buttons on my own show. But yeah, really professional. That was taken. Um, I think Corey snapped it in uh in just a uh, afterthought when I was sitting at the desk doing the show one morning. So need a picture. <laughs> so we took one. Uh professional. I mean, Corey is professional. She uh she has gotten paid to take pictures, so there is that. I suppose she can be considered a professional photographer, so let's uh, let's move on with it. Let's get to that perfect cup question of the day. Um, it's a good one today. It was different and uh, and somebody over at Noster took it a different way than I was expecting and uh, yeah, you'll find out at the end. All right. Alright, it's time for the 139th edition of The Perfect Cup, a daily question and my thoughts. Join the discussion in my telegram channel at t.me lotsfeed. That's t.me lotsfeed. That's the best to, place to find that question. I post it up the day before the show, so that would be Sunday through Thursday. For the Monday through Friday show, you find it, you leave a comment, I circle around in the morning, pick up all the answers, put them on my list, and we bring them back here and talk about them. The majority of the answers come from Telegram because that is direct to my phone, but I do also post them across social media on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, MeWe, and Noster. That's uh, Noster is the place where i also get direct notifications those actually come in whenever i get a message or a reply so there is that uh the rest of them man it's hit or miss whether that little notification bar dings up so if you want to leave a question or answer there know that i might not see it in time don't get mad if i don't read it but you can always go to that telegram channel t.me lots feed find all the important links i push out daily for the Lots project podcast Perfect cup question of the day today is have you ever been in a food fight? Have you ever been in a food fight? Um I answered first. Uh my answer is not that I recall. Not that I recall. Not that I um not that I can think of more than maybe maybe like one or two things thrown and it was squashed pretty quick um i do kind of recall that in elementary school that uh, a couple kids uh were tossing things back and forth over me but never anything that i participated in and anything that had started off was pretty squashed pretty quick we had some pretty uh pretty strict lunch ladies in my schools growing up so i mean they were on it. They're all over it. So anything like that started off and bam, we uh, it was shut down. Scrambling weighed in and said, Nope, never a proper one this season. My school had no idea how to riot. They believed in permanent records. Oh, we're going to get that on your permanent record. Don't you start a food fight. It'll end up on your permanent record. I wish I could get a copy of my permanent record. Maybe I still can. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Blueberry Texas says, uh, not that I can remember. Golden Cricket says, oh, yeah, at summer camp. Summer camp seems to be a place where that happens quite a bit. A uh, little lax. Um, little lax. Plugsy's right there. Kyle's wondering where Plugsy is. Uh, she says, summer camp, I was starting it, and I was the staff. Good times. Yeah, that seemed to be more like a summer camp kind of thing where the staff was usually either former campers or young adults. Um Yeah. Thinks it thinks it's more fun. James over at Gingerbread Farm says, "Not that I can recall." Pip says, "Technically, yes. Mid-90s, we uh four to six kids tried double dare stunts." Oh, double dare. I just saw I just saw um was those one of those trip down memory lane um Trip down memory lane, uh, Facebook posts or TikToks or something where I had a bunch of pictures from when you may have been a kid, and Double Dare was on there, and they had the big nose with the snot all over it, and you uh, they had to go up in the nose and find the flag. Yeah, yeah, definitely remembered that one. Um, but Pip says uh, they tried Double Dare stunts, including catching wet spaghetti noodles in a strainer mounted to a hard hat. Huh. Nice. Nice. Um, Canadian Farmstead says, No wasting food always felt weird to me. <laughs> Kyle the Backwoods Butcher weighed in, says, When I was a kid, we'd go to this campground that had a food fight every week for the kids. Everyone would sit a- at a bunch of picnic tables in a line, and the kitchen mixed up spaghetti, oatmeal, food coloring together, and when they said go, all hell broke loose. Yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of fun, but is it is a planned event really the way to go with a food fight with a food fight at all? Um, Worm weighed in and said, yes, the last day of school when I was in third or fourth grade, we had kind of a picnic on the playground. It devolved into a pretty epic food fight. Kids and teachers going at it. Kids and teachers that that could have been fun. That could have been fun. Uh, Then those were the answers I picked up over at the Telegram channel. Over on Noster, Hiker Brian weighed in and said, uh, yes. (laughs) Thanks for the details. Thanks for the details, appreciate it. Thanks for answering regardless. And then the one that that made me think for a second, it made me stop and think for just one second. Joshua Dennis over on Noster weighed in and said, the real fight right now is to get real food. And I believe, let me look real quick. I thought there was another one. No, somebody must have uh, dropped it. Oh, no, here it is. Jacob, Jacob on Noster said, there were many fighting for food during COVID hype. This is the whole reason my gardening and permaculture endeavors were kicked into high gear. So, yeah, two people over on Noster kind of went the route of, um, man, we're fighting for food right now especially when you start defining food and uh, realizing that a lot of the stuff that uh, you can get your hands on shouldn't be classified as food. But anyway, anyway, that took it a little different direction, uh, fighting for food instead of with food. Uh, Backwoods uh, backwards weighed in and was wondering where plugsy was. Um, Kbonk says, first one was in the Blues Brothers, I think. It was a pretty big thing at the time yes i was thinking animal house myself um with um, the what am i or no did that devolve into a food fight when he uh when he put the potatoes in his mouth and smashed them out like a zit um pip says uh mark summers the double dare host he didn't say his name i happen to remember mark summers the double dare host had bad ocd to the point he needed to wear velcro shoes and not tie up laces interesting james says he's going to bring the the srf food fight where he's going to bring apples and coconuts (laughs) that's about right that's about right um oh no anyway that that were those were the answers i i was able to find for the perfect cup question of the day again the question was have you ever been in a food fight and we had some different answers and then all of a sudden it took a left turn when we started talking about fighting for our food and getting it and getting real food Anyway, if you'd like the perfect cup question of the day and you want to follow along, you can find it on Spotify as a standalone podcast. Find it over there. Please leave a review and share it with someone else you think the Quet Daily question is right for. We do it Monday through Friday, every day. Look out for those questions Sunday through Thursday, again, on all those socials and especially in that Telegram channel, t.me slash lots feed. It's been another episode of the Perfect Cup podcast, and now back to the main show. Uh, Kyle, Kyle says he's technically fighting for our food. I think you're technically fighting for your food and your customers' food, but you 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 use our as loosely as you would like. <coughs> Kyle's wondering where Plugsy was. Uh, Plugsy is right here. I don't know. You weren't here yesterday uh yesterday or the day before I don't think either when I uh when I was uh sharing my new bobblehead duck that's gonna live on the, the mug for a little bit. So for those of you again on the audio only I got uh I got a nice bobblehead uh duction cup on on the cup also along with Plugsy Plugsy too somebody else called him bobble thunderstorms, guys, thunderstorms rolling through last night, heavy thunderstorms. We got pretty thick cloud cover this morning. I'm not sure how the how the um, how the signal hold out today. It looks like we've dropped once at least and probably blipped up a bunch because signal doesn't seem that strong this morning for sure. It was a uh, it was definitely a boomer about uh, what was that midnight last night? I think I woke up thunder crack and woke up and it was on top of us. Lots of crazy, crazy storms here lately, for sure. Backwoods Butcher says I should name him Michael J. Duck. Dude, you need to get some more coffee in you before you start suggesting stuff like that. Anyway, let's get to that history segment. We'll roll with the history segment and then get into talking about Comfrey and uh, what we got going on with that. So, here we go. all right everyone it's time for another another edition of lots of history today for august 10th 2023 prepared by pip as always pip is over at ductioncups.com. these awesome little ducks i have on my cup and everywhere else if you're a jeeper you know what duck duck jeep is if you if you aren't and you like little ducks and you like to stick them around and, and make people smile and all sorts of fun stuff, check out ductioncups.com lots. Here we go with Pip's history segment, Lots of History. August 10th, hello humans, happy Happy Friday Eve, and let me throw some treaties at you real quick. 1494, the Treaty of Torcellus. 1529, the Treaty of Zaragoza. 1585, the Treaty of Nonsuch. 1641, the Treaty of London, and 1905, the Treaty of Portsmouth. Anyway, treat yourself well and others well, er, er, um, uh, let's just say lots of history. <laughs> what was going on there, buddy? Were you all right? This day, August 10th, 1519, for Magellan's five ships that sail from Seville to circumnavigate the globe, the boss, second-in-command Juan Sebastian Elk, Cano will complete the expedition after Magellan's death in the Philippines. Backstory, after having his proposed expeditions in the Spice Islands and Malusca, besides New, Gu- beside New Guinea, Molucas, besides New Guinea, repeatedly rejected by King Manuel I of Portugal, Magellan renounced his Portuguese nationality and turned to Charles I, the young king of Spain. If you can't get what you want from mom, just ask dad. Magellan instead proposed to seek a southwestern passage around the South America to reach the Spice Islands by a western route, a feat never before accomplished. King Manuel saw all of this as an insult and did everything in his power to disrupt Magellan's arrangements for the voyage. The Portuguese king allegedly ordered that Magellan's properties be vandalized as if was the coat of arms of the Magellan displayed at the family house's facade of Sabrosa, his family town and may have even requested the assassination of the navigator. When Magellan eventually sailed to the open seas in August 1519, a Portuguese fleet was sent after him, though it failed to capture him. Pip's notes, following a winter, the fleet resumed their search for the passage to the Pacific in October of 1520. Three days later, they found a bay which eventually led them to a strait now known as the Strait of Magellan, which allowed them passage through to the Pacific this day august 10th 1904 russo japanese war the battle of the yellow sea between the russians and the japanese battleship fleets takes place a major naval battle of the russo japanese war fought on 10th of august 1904 the battle foiled an attempt by the russian fleet at the port arthur to break out and form up with the vladivostok squadron forcing them to return to port four days later the battle of olsen Similarly ended the Vladis Vostok Group's sortie, forcing them, both fleets, to remain at anchor. Pips note, what does New Hampshire have to do with this war? (laughs) New Hampshire. (laughs) This day, August 10th, 1905, Russo-Japanese War. Peace negotiations begin in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Wait. I think his comment was for this one. The base is famous for being the site of the 1905 signing of the Treaty of Portsmouth, which ended the Russo-Japanese War. Though U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt orchestrated the peace conference that brought the Russian and Japanese diplomats to Portsmouth and the Navy and the shipyard, he never came to Portsmouth, relying on the Navy and people of New Hampshire as the host. Roosevelt won the 1906 Nobel Peace Prize for his diplomacy in bringing about an end to the war. Huh. This day, August 10th, 1948, Candid Camera makes its television debut after being on radio for a year as Candid Microphone. I was going to say, how the hell was Candid Camera on the radio? (laughs) Versions of the show appeared on television from 1948 until 2014. Pip's notes, yeah, 2014, by then, the YouTube thing was a decade old and people started posting their own videos instead of sending the clips off to a TV show. This day, August 10, 1961, Vietnam War, the U.S. Army begins Operation Ranch Hand, spraying an estimated 20 million gallons of defoliants and herbicides over rural areas of South Vietnam in attempt to deprive the Viet Cong of food and vegetation cover. We would never ruin somebody's food source for a end goal, would we? The Ranch Hands, the Ranch Handers' motto was. Only you can prevent a forest. A take on the popular U.S. Forest Service poster slogan of Smokey Bear we talked about the other day. During the 10 years of spraying, over 5 million acres of forest and 500,000 acres of crops were heavily damaged or destroyed. America. Around 20% of the forests of South Vietnam were sprayed at least once. Smokey the Bear created to help forest fires in 1944, now twisted to destroy forest fucking humans pretty much dude this day august 10th 1981 the murder of adam walsh the head of john walsh's son is found this inspires the creation of the television series america's most wanted and the national center for missing and exploited children the american child who was abducted from a sears department store at the hollywood mall in hollywood florida on july 27 1981 His severed head was found two weeks later in a drainage canal alongside Highway 60 Yeehaw Junction in rural Indian River County, Florida, almost 130 miles from Hollywood. His death garnered national interest and was made into the 1983 television film, Adam, seen by 38 million people in its original airing. Pips notes 130 miles away. Did the driver killer stop for gas? (laughs) 130 miles. I don't know if they had to. Uh, This day, 1990, uh, August 10th, 1990, the Magellan Space Probe reaches Venus. Pip's notes, the wiki page was looked over but could not find why the space probe was named after Magellan. A dude could assume Magellan's sailing ship had an influence on the space probe name. I will not make a joke about probing Uranus. (laughs) Jesus. August 10th, 2001, space shuttle program. The Space Shuttle Discovery is launched on STS-105 to the International Space Station carrying the astronauts of Expedition 3 to replace the crew of Expedition 1. Oop, 2. <laughs> the third expedition to the International Space Station, Commander Frank L. Culbertson Col- Jr. was the only American crew member, and as such, the only American not on Earth during the 9-11 tax, which the crew photographed and videoed from the ISS. Pip's notes, movie quote, Kevin Costner in the 1997 movie The Postman, Old George and I was this old George, it says I was an sp- aerospace engineer. I helped design the Galileo space station. I dream it's orbiting Earth forever with a dozen human skeletons all grinning at each other, laughing at us down here. <laughs> nice. August tenth, twenty twenty. A derecho. A is, I think, that's how you say it. In Iowa, it becomes the most costly thunderstorm disaster in U.S. history. The thing was crazy, whatever you want to call it. A powerful derecho affecting the Midwestern state, the United States on August 10th through 11th, 2020, primarily eastern Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Indiana. It caused high winds and spawned an outbreak of weak tornadoes. Some areas reported torrential rain and large hail. Pips notes, a derecho is a widespread, long-lived, straight-line windstorm that is associated with a fast-moving group of severe thunderstorms. There you go. Happy birthday, who was born August 10th, August 10th, 1814, Henry Nestle, German businessman, founder of Nestle, 1840, 1874, Herbert Hoover, maker of the vacuum, nope, wait, that was, uh, (laughs) wait, American engineer and politician, 31st president of the United States, August 10th, 1897, John W. Galbraith, American businessman and philanthropist, founded Darby Darby Dan Farm, Uh, August 10th, 1928, Jimmy Dean, American singer, actor, and businessman, founded Jimmy Dean Food Company. August 10th, 1933, Keith Duckworth, English engineer, founded Cosworth. Who died today? Who kicked off today? August 10th. August 10th, 1949, Homer Burton Adkins died, an American chemist. The American chemist who studied the hydrogenation of organic compounds, Adkins was regarded as a top in his field, and it would and a world authority on hydrogenation of organic compounds. Atkins is known for his wartime work where he experimented with chemical agents and poisonous gases. Renowned for his work, Atkins eventually suffered a series of heart attacks and died in 1949. This day, August 10th, 1969, a day after murdering Sharon Tate and four others, members of the Charles Manson cult killed Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. Uh, August 10th, 2015, Buddy Baker, American race car driver and sportscaster, died. And August 10th, 2019, Jeffrey Epstein, American financier, an American sex offender who was murdered by people who didn't want him to talk. Where is the client list? (laughs) Well played, Pip. Well played. And uh, holidays today on August 10th, it's International Biodiesel Day. Biodiesel is a form of diesel fuel derived from plants or animals and consisting of long chain fatty acid esters. It is typically made by chemically reducing lipids such as animal fat or tallow, soybean oil, or some other vegetable oil with an alcohol, producing methyl ethyl prop- propyl ester by process of transesterification. Yeah, guys, you know how to make dot- biodiesel? It's not that hard. Just think about it anyway this is pip with duction cups go forth get shit done and happy friday eve thank you pip thank you pip we will roll into tomorrow with a very happy friday edition of lots to talk about thank you if you enjoy the history segment now that i'm pulling it out as a standalone on youtube video and uh youtube podcast i guess you can find it on youtube music find that lots of history daily you can also find the notes that Pip puts together for us over on the blog post that I do for the full episode every day. Just find it at thelotsproject.com at the bottom of every every blog post about an episode there is the history notes that we cover that day. Check it out and if you enjoy the history segment please check out ductioncups.com slash lots now back to the main show all right. All right. Let's see here. Lots of comments. Lots of comments. Uh holy crap. Holy crap. Uh Kyle says you can call him Michael J. Duck. Dude, I got the Parkinson's joke. The spring, the bouncy duck. Yeah, that's weak. That's weak. I mean, I guess it is a Thursday morning. Um, so yeah, I get I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little leeway, especially if you got Folgers or something on board. Uh, K-Bong says, anyone have a source for RV or tractor size mattress sheets looking for options? You know where we got our RV mattresses or sheets? We buy regular sheets and make them work. Corey says, we buy regular sheets and make them work. Uh, I think Amazon would probably be your best bet. Oh yeah, Corey says the the place we bought. So we bought custom mattresses because we didn't necessarily put them in the same spots in the RV where they were intended to go. So they were a little different size. Uh, Corey's Corey's mattress we actually had made. Uh, and they also show sold custom sheets. I would have to look up where we bought that man. It was basically a find it on uh, find it on the internet and order it up. But I can do some poking into my past order history and see if I can find anything for you, Kavon uh kbox says wobble duck spice island sounds like a gay resort you would know all about the names of gay resorts um pip says the king was a little bitter yeah that dude uh that magellan was dealing with he was something he was something uh kyle man making up for lost time <laughs> Jesus. Oh anyway, let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Um Backwood says the rendering company that picked up all our byproduct from the slaughterhouse would make biodiesel and dog food. Yeah, uh I got a big, big lesson, like a six-year lesson on um long chain long chain carbon, uh, which basically, uh, fuel, fuel, uh, when we were, when we were converting waste plastic back into synthetic crude oil, uh, we use pyrolysis. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting process, but along the line, we started diving into other processes when, when we realized, well, actually it was when the, when the barrel of oil crashed, that's what our industry was propped up on. Basically, there was a cost to produce a gallon of synthetic crude oil uh, out of plastic. And I think the tipping point was, I wanna say our break even on maximum efficiency and a maximum output was like $82 a barrel. (laughs) I think it was right around 82. Uh, That was when we started. And uh, when the oil price crashed, it just didn't make it feasible because our, our system wasn't at peak efficiency or operation or capacity. So as soon as the, the price of the oil started to drop is when we started uh, thinking of other things to do with this equipment. I uh, had a great CTO, a great chief technology officer and a process engineer that had a bunch of ideas. We ended up using the whole system and the, the, the pyrolysis to clean uh, waste oil, in uh, and, and um, clean waste oil, and then we were making products as as far as uh, bar bar oil for um, chainsaws and other lubricants. That uh, it was interesting. It was interesting for sure, but learning a, a lot of different processes through um, a lot of different processes through the whole experimental phase of that. And being there the whole time and, and retrofitting that system, we learned I learned a lot, uh a lot more than I ever would have expected getting that job. So that was kind of cool. Uh biodiesel definitely is something that is on my radar if the if the process ever suits what I need. Uh it's great, great fuel source. I uh, you gotta be careful where you're at and who you do it in front of and who you talk to about it, because I don't think I don't think uh I don't think it's legal in a lot of places, but i know in some places it is no people that do it so look into it look into it um kbock was wondering how many btus kilowatt hours did it take to make that 80 dollar barrel um i can't i can't tell you man i really it's been it's been a decade or more since i was there um all the numbers on the back end i never really i never really got to see the the spit out they gave us the general parameters of uh, what to watch in the oil markets like we we could uh we could do anything about it but that was uh what was explained to us on that bottom dollar price we we pyrolysized everything with uh, natural gas we had natural gas burners and um i guess the the, the large electric consumption would have been all the vacuums, pumps, and uh, chiller loops, and things of that nature. So, lots of electricity and lots of um, lots of BTUs and natural gas. But at some point, we were, um, if the if the synthetic crude oil process had worked, we were actually. Um, in, in, the, in the beginning stages of figuring out how to use our flare gas, basically we had a burn off flare that, um, that burned off all our very super light ends that weren't really condensable, uh, weren't really used, uh, being able to be used for anything. We were going to try to capture that and use it for the heat output of burning gas and then also uh, possibly uh, combusting it to run a generator to run electricity, to, to bring those costs down. But at the time it was definitely not, um, definitely not that uh, it, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Uh, Gingerbread farm says I lost my business when oil dropped to $30 for sure, for sure. Um, that was tough. That was tough. That was that was kind of, there was a point when I worked there that they had us come in and, and just sit. We were down to a skeleton crew. Um, and there was a point in our funding, and we were all investor funded. There was a point where they had us come in and um, and just sit for hours because it would have been the cost of onboarding new people um, and the cost of unemployment and this and that. And the other thing, it was financially responsible to pay us to come and sit. It was interesting for sure. Hold on, guys. One second. I'll be right back. All right, sorry, sorry, man. It's um, yeah, interesting morning here. Um, James Gingerbread Farm says uh, most oil wells run on the gas flare. Yeah, the the gas flare is definitely something that um, should be explored for energy comes consumption. I know I got excited when I I started reading a lot about people um, running mining rigs off of uh oil well gas flares it it always sat weird with me it didn't sit right with me that we were a quote-unquote recycling company um basically we were taking plastic uh film we were taking plastic films we were taking like our our um golden goose for product was uh like grocery bags like um the thin the thin plastic grocery bags. That was our best deal. Um, there was different amounts of oil depending on the type of plastic and the density of the plastic. We would break it all down and then densify it to a, a specific consistent density so that it would pyrolysis consistently. So I don't know. That's probably, uh, probably more than anyone wants to hear about pyrolysis while they're drinking their coffee in the morning, but uh, there you go. There you go uh james had uh, five oil tankers and nine drivers k bonk was wondering what business he had yeah he had a he had a something rolling man out there in i think you're in north dakota right north dakota um hauling oil during the during the the shale oil explosion which was a big part of of our our endeavors too so yeah we took we had a pretty good eye on that on a daily basis and being in minnesota See, the problem with our business was we spilled, their uh, the big refineries, we always joked about it, would spill more in a day than we would produce. We were small beans on their uh, on their radar, and um, they had no interest, no interest in a s- synthetic product. So we had to go end arounds and figure out different places to place our product. And then with the crashing of the oil and the, the difficulty placing the synthetic crude oil, we... Um, we had to shut her down, we had to shut her down. Well, it wasn't my choice, it wasn't my choice. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about, um, let's talk about Comfrey. That was what I had on my list today. Talk about Comfrey for a while and also mention that business in a box that we have. Uh, Comfrey is something that I, um, oh, James was out in the Bakken oil field and uh, Three Forks. Yeah, yeah, Bakken, mm-hmm. heard that name quite a bit i about the time that, uh, we were wrapping things up in, uh, at that, uh, at that synthetic crude oil production facility, uh, the kind of, kind of, yeah, about the time, about the time things started going sideways. That would have been about when I got into comfrey, uh, heard about it on the, the survival co- podcast with Jack Spearco. He talked about this amazing plant, uh, that he had when he found it, when he was a child with his grandfather, and you know, his grandfather Rub the leaves on a cut, and the cut healed, and uh, it was magic, man. It was magic. I uh, heard this story a couple times from Jack, and uh, started to look into the stuff. Jack always talked about the fact that it it grew so well, it um it it was honey badger tough in the ground, and uh, man, the root the roots seemed to ship okay, and stay really viable for a while. Uh, and he said people make money selling the stuff. And when you tell me about a magic plant that goes in the ground, that, uh, that propagates itself very easily, doesn't like to die because we had pretty harsh conditions there in Minnesota, uh, and that, you know, I could make money off it. It grows money. Man, that really piques my interest. You know, you have to, you have to be wary of the magic beans. Uh, old Jack, he got his magic beans and his beanstalk. But, uh, man, this guy was ta- talking about a plant that, uh, that there were a lot of uses for. Not only was it good at healing cuts, and um, you know, one of the the old names for comfrey is nip bone. The reason is it'll put your bone back together. Uh, we're not making medical claims here on the Lops Project podcast. Um, <laughs> this is not a this is not a, a medical show by any means. But you know, I will tell you, I've used the stuff to heal cuts and scrapes. I've used it to, to uh, make sprains feel better quicker um you know sore joints things like that there's something to it there's something to it uh the fda has uh, said no 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 don't use comfrey it is bad for your liver uh man if you really look into it it turns out they gave some rats like 40 bushels of uh comfrey leaves over a short period of time I don't know if the numbers are exact, but it was a low. It was a it was a boatload of leaves, and they experienced some uh, liver damage, some liver spotting. Uh, so can't have it. Can't have it. Uh, we're gonna test it with more than any human could possibly consume in any short period of time, and uh, and then tell you it's gonna make you sick. No shit. Um, it's weird because maybe there's pharmaceuticals. Maybe there's um. Mm, Canadian farm says, I thought the FDA approved it topically. They might've, they might've approved it topically, uh, but not, uh, internally, but the topically I don't think can cause the liver damage. I don't think anything's going to cause the liver damage after actually reading in and doing the math on what they actually fed those rats. But anyway, anyway, I started looking into this stuff and I said, okay, I got 35 acres. Uh, 35 acres. I I'm gonna get a few of these plants. Uh Jack had a recommended uh, source for Comfrey. I ordered from his source. It was a shit show, man. Like the guy is so busy that uh it's basically like place your order and we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh we will ship it out when I get a chance. Um, we're kind of behind. Maybe we have it, maybe we don't, this and that. I realized after I started growing it, getting into the business and getting into harvesting and selling. I understand why why he was saying that. Um, it's not difficult. <laughs> it's not difficult to figure out, but it, it does take some planning when you're uh, when you're planning a business and especially the size of his when he's getting recommended on a podcast that goes out to 250,000 people a day. You <coughs> might run, run short on uh, on product, but anyway, I ordered up uh, enough to to put in a single row. We put it in, and um, I think we put that in towards the fall. I want to say is when we got that got that order in. We put it in along our garden. It came back. Uh, the 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 plant itself is pretty. Uh, I I am a big fan of the plant for around the house, uh, around the outside of the house, not around like the inside of the house. I um. Um, I really like it. People in Minnesota used uh, hostas a lot, other wide leaf, uh, wide broad leaf plants. I really like the comfrey around the outside of the house uh, for ornamentals. It puts out a really big, broad leaf. I, yeah, uh, I, let me re, re, uh, rewind a little bit. So comfrey, comfrey can be both very invasive or sterile weird what are you talking about um the native version of comfrey in the united states is very invasive canada north america i guess in general uh it's very invasive it will spread like crazy you will plant it ask toolman tim what happened to his uh planting or his planter garden when he uh, put some put some uh put some wild comfrey in there it'll spread like crazy there's Strains of comfrey, Bocking number four, Bocking 14 is what they're called. Um, they were developed, they are sterile. They are only propagated through root cuttings, crown cuttings, uh, live samples of the, of the plant itself. So you can put it in. The only place it's going to spread is where those roots can reach. Now, I'm not going to say the plant doesn't get enormous uh, over time. Or if you propagate it, if you use it to make money, if you use it to split, um, I'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, it will get big. It will get big. But the Bocking 4 that I sold wasn't invasive. It wasn't going to spread. It wasn't going to, you weren't going to put it in, um, (laughs) wasn't going to, you weren't going to put it in the garden and it was going to take over your garden. Uh, you weren't going to put it in a food forest in between rows of trees, and it was going to overtake everything. Uh, that was the advantage of the Bocking Four and Bocking Fourteen. There were several other ones, but from my research, Bocking Four, um, Bocking Four is um, is the best. K Bonk asks, "It's no feedstock, I assume? No, we uh, we fed it to our rabbits. We fed it to our chickens." And that was one of the advantages of Baking 4 over Baking 14 was the taste is more palatable to a wider variety of animals. Uh, they, Through studies, Baking 14 and Baking 4 have been, both been presented to different uh, species of animals, and they will prefer Baking 4 over 14. Uh, it has a wider leaf. It has uh, some other characteristics. I believe that it has a little bit more of the lanolin content in it from my digging in no dead solid scientific proof of that but just from uh others experiences and uh, and notes and and stuff like that so i went with bocking four got that going i got it going on my hill um and we had probably two dozen plants we went a season with that uh we let them get established a little bit through that season we uh, chop and drop the leaves which is something else that it's great for is fertilizer for your soil. Uh, one thing about comfrey, the way it grows, they have a huge taproot. Taproot goes extremely far down in the soil, extremely straight down. Um, the reason this is important is it's called a dynamic accumulator. Uh, this taproot that goes super far down in the ground will bring up all the minerals and, um, and good stuff. All the stuff, all the stuff that um, that can't that gets us, that, that gets consumed by the other plants with their roots. So the plant's roots comes down. If you're looking at the the screen, they come down. Say they come down a foot. Uh, comfrey goes and drills straight down. It gets all the stuff that's down in that soil. All the the minerals that are hard to reach. All the different uh, all the different elements that that those plants need to thrive it pulls them from um it pulls them from that soil deep down it also pulls water from that soil deep down there were seasons i ended up with a whole field of this stuff i shouldn't say field it was three significant rows of it i had i ended up with like 200 plants on the property um uh, that we used for production uh but it was all over the property anyway one year we had what was considered a drought. Like our garden was brown. Our, our, our yard was brown. I think we literally, uh, mowed the grass two or three times the whole year. Didn't need it. Not because we didn't mow just because it didn't need it. Our comfrey was bright green and thriving like full green, huge plants. And it was because that taproot was able to get down below the water table and, and, and get that water that the other plants were because the top layers of soil were so arid. Um, Pip says uh, he grew three comfrey plants from seed, could not tell you what type of comfrey it was. I will guarantee you it was wild comfrey for sure. Um, you, there are no seeds on Bocking 4, Bocking 14. Uh, it's got to be that wild, uh, natural comfrey from the US. Anyway, I planted that row. Uh, we chop and dropped it. The Like I said, with that dynamic accumulation, the leaves are fantastic for compost. They're uh, fantastic for soil building uh, right there on top of the soil where it's growing. Uh, that's why people love them for food forests, things like that. Like I said, in between rows of trees, you are basically growing a plant that is harvesting the nutrients from way down in the soil right below your trees that your trees can't get bringing it up, storing it in those leaves. You chop those leaves off, drop them down, and they go into the soil where it's now uh, available for that tree. The plant itself, you can cut it off as many times as you want during the season to an inch or two above the ground. Like literally chop off all the leaves and you go, oh my God, my plant's going to die. And in two weeks, it's back. Maybe not as big as it was when you cut it down, but cut and come again on these all year, harvesting the leaves is fantastic. It's a fantastic way to make money. It's a fantastic way to boost your compost. It's a fantastic way to make your soil better. Um, How are you gonna make money off it? Well, sell the leaves for people that wanna put it in their compost, that wanna feed it to their animals, that want to build their soil in their garden. But you can also take this, you can take these leaves, you can dry these leaves out, dry them very, very, very dry because you don't want any water in this process. But you can infuse carrier oil with the lanolin from the comfrey leaves. The, the stuff that they say may or may not heal cuts, may or may not um, help sore joints or uh, bruises, things of that nature. You can take a carrier oil. You can take the carrier oil and, um, and, and, and infuse the oil with the comfrey goodness. We'll call it goodness. Um, so you let it sit. You can do it in a crock pot. You can do it on a double boiler. You can do it uh, a numerous amount of ways. But then you can also make salve on it. So you take that that carrier oil, you mix it with some beeswax, maybe some essential oils, and you make salve. Right now, uh, I'm not selling salve. Two Chicks Homestead. I know um, I got them started in Comfrey. Uh, they have a whole, whole business going on for sure they're making salve right now. They're making it in, uh, like chapstick containers, roll on salve. Don't put it on your lips. I don't think it'd be that good on your lips, but, uh, bug bites, cuts, scrapes, things of that nature. Fantastic. Um, you'll have to, uh, um, you have to, uh yeah, what am I, I was gonna, you put it in tins, you make the, you make the salve. we used to make it in tins, in like one to two ounce, four ounce, or four ounce tins, uh, basically you put it on, so you're making it just like a balm or a salve. you can also, uh, so you can sell that, you can use it at home, fantastic in Minnesota for, uh, mosquito bites, man, this stuff, we used to give it to our friends with kids, and they would get mosquito bites, and you just take a dab and put it on, the itch was gone, the itch was absolutely gone, so, um, yeah. So the, the plant there, that's one of the uses for it. Uh, another huge moneymaker and one that I'm still doing today, uh, is root po- propagation, root and crown propagation. Uh, like I said, this Bocking 4 doesn't spread from seed. It spreads from root cuttings, crown cuttings, whole plants transplanted. Uh, so I looked at when I ordered mine, I looked at what I got in the mail and what it turned into and then what eventually I turned it into by taking those plants as they established and breaking them down even further. And that's the beautiful part about the plant is you wanna start selling root cuttings, you start digging those plants up and making root cuttings. You're always gonna have extra. Well, I always did. Even if I didn't have enough for the order, I had to dig more plants, I always ended up with extra. What do you do with the extra? Start more plants. You plant more money, basically uh also when you dig a plant you have all the roots going down it's not like uh like gingerbread who has them in a couple pots um you have uh you have them in the soil and when you shove the shovel down in there it's cutting all the roots it's not it you're not getting the whole plant the roots are huge so every single one of those roots you cut off in the ground makes a new plant so eventually, if you have a propagation field and you have plants that you've harvested a couple years in a row, uh, literally they were bigger around, I mean, huh? I would have to say three feet wide, three feet diameter or uh, yeah, three feet diameter, easy. Uh, and then just multiple, multiple plants. So as those establish again, you can almost propagate by cutting half of it away or a quarter of it away, and then start making more plants. Like I said, I ended up with over 200 plants on the property that I was actively harvesting. And then I got to a point where it was around all my trees. It was all around all my, it was around the house. It was around the barn. It was around the garage. And I was literally taking roots out and, and just planting them wherever in the woods, um, in the field, wherever. I was throwing roots everywhere, giving them away. I had so much. I don't know. I, uh, I, I found it uh, uh, an important enough part of my homestead and something that I developed. It was probably the most lucrative um, uh, revenue stream that I found on the homestead. I figured out a way to keep it going. Uh, I figured out before we left uh, a, a system, a business, a business in a box where uh, you would get a box of comfrey roots. You would get root cuttings. You get crown cuttings. You get small ones, large ones, medium ones. And as long as you had a spot to plant them, you could start your own business. You start your own business, get established, slow roll into it, and eventually have a huge, huge business. Um, I trialed this out. I found some people. I said, hey, I want to keep selling root cuttings when we leave the farm. I've got a lot of time and effort into this. I want to send you some root cuttings. I reached out to a couple people. A couple people were uh, very responsive. Some were not. Um, I sent some to, uh, to Brian, who's going to come on the show tonight. He, uh, he went on a, a total experimental, um, urban growing setup. Brian lives in the city. He lives in the city. Yeah. I would say he's urban. Uh, he was able to take my comfrey business in a box, take it into his yard, his small yard. He does have a nice, uh, a permaculture, uh, nursery there. So he has experience. He was able to um, propagate that and grow that and keep that cycling. We started selling this spring. Brian, at a year from the time that I sent him, we have had over a thousand dollars in um, sales in this first year, and I wasn't really pushing it. I wasn't pushing this because I wanted to let the stuff establish. He was. The plants are so hardy. It established super fast. We were able to um, we were able to start selling sooner than I thought. We've been able to just pick up clients left and right, uh, sell them, send them. Brian's been experimenting with ways to get things to grow faster. We have the urban setup. We have an advisor for the urban setup. I have the 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 rural setup. I can tell you how to grow comfrey if you got a lot of space and how to blast it out of the park as far as a business. Right now, we're in the middle of doing testing on a rural un uh, unmanned property. So that would be Toolman Tim's raw property here in Tennessee. I took a business in the box out. It wasn't the, the right time of year to do it. This is the most harsh conditions that could ever have happened. And I had some issues getting to the post office. So it wasn't ideal by any means. We're going to put safeguards in for uh, for for having this happen. But I'm going to go out there and check when I get back. And we'll see what happened. We'll see what happened. I basically put them in the ground. I put a little water on them and walked away. And if this establishes on these properties, this opens up a whole nother avenue. But right now you live on a farm, you live in the city, you live in the suburbs, and you want a side hustle ready to go in a box. You get the product, you get the consultation, you get the support up to a year of how to do it, how to grow it, how to sell it, how to market it, and how to get it out there and make some money I'm not going to say you're going to retire on comfrey, not at all, not at all, but at 299 bucks for the thing and easily, easily a thousand dollars in sales in the first year that you got it. I think it makes financial sense to give it a try beyond the monetary, monetary fact, the benefit of the plant on your property is, is through the roof. So consider it. Um, we're only doing 10 this season. Uh, in the spring, we're really going to ramp up and start blasting them out there uh, as Brian's uh, establishes some other fields. That's one thing you can do. You can always hold back sales and establish your own product first. We got 10 available. If you want one, if you're interested, email me at info at or you can go to thelotsproject.com and sign up for one of those 30-minute chats. We can talk about Comfrey the whole time. We can talk about what you're interested in. Uh, Bitcoin, getting started in cryptocurrency, homesteading, hip camp, camping, uh, comfrey for sure. And uh, get you set up and get you one of those boxes. Run through the things, run through the numbers and the work and how much it is. So, K um, K-Bong says the next few months should be the sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I still sell the stuff. Brian fulfills my orders. A couple other people fulfill orders. Uh, but... I uh, and that's something that comes in the business in a box too. Is I'm going to continue to sell even though I don't have my own stock, and I want to buy from my stock. So as uh, as I have more people buying business in the box, they are the first go to for me to source my comfrey. So um, built in built in customers there to start. Next few months for sure, my comfrey orders bumped um, bumped in the last couple of weeks, and it's a cycle that I saw when I sold it all year uh for before we left the farm. Dead of summer's tough. Get Oracle in spring, fall, and winter, especially uh in places that you can still dig and uh and get it shipped out. Man, uh that's it's that's the go time. You make all your money in that time. So uh yeah the next couple of months is coming up get that stuff um get that stuff out there for sure. Uh K-Bog says he'd like to try some graded in the New York new york uh state woods dude um yeah send me a message send me a message we'll figure it out we'll get you some comfrey going in those woods anyway uh let's hit that item of the day I'm running a little late and i have an appointment to get to uh like I said that comfrey uh, business in a box if you're interested in hearing more interested in talking about it or picking one up just uh, shoot me a message limited a uh, limited time or limited amount this uh season but going into spring we should have full blast, full blast away. Item of the day today is Venture Forth Microfiber Towels. These are the towels we went to when we hit the road. Uh, They're compact, they're light, they dry quickly. They're just great. They're great for camping, for go bags, for all sorts of stuff like that. They come in a bunch of sizes and colors. Check them out. Video and written review link is in the video and audio description and also an Amazon link. Along with that Amazon link below it, if you go down just a little further, is a general Amazon homepage link that's our affiliate tag in it. So, if you got to shop on Amazon today but you don't need any microfiber towels, please click that link, start on the Amazon homepage, anything you get during that shopping trip will be credited to us and we'll get a little kickback back. All the little bits help. All the pennies in the jar all add up for sure. And uh yeah, bookmark it bookmark that general amazon link and uh, just hit it every time you want to go shop on amazon i appreciate it tonight uh lots to talk about scrambling talking wilderness weekends hip camp and coffee uh had some uh, things go still trying to get back in the routine scrambling scrambling was looking to come back on and talk about some of the new stuff he has coming up so be sure to check out that live or the replay will be out soon after Got to get out of here, guys. Got to get uh, rolling so I can get to this truck appointment, get that rear differential figured out. And, uh, yeah, we'll tell you about it tomorrow. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it at thelotsproject.com or on Doster Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble, and Instagram. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 Value for Value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys, and we will catch up with you on Friday.